Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. On today's episode, we'll go over the topic of preeclampsia and eclampsia from the obstetric section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 20-year-old woman at 30 weeks gestation presents to the emergency room with malaise, headache, and nausea. On physical exam, she is alert and oriented. She is noted to have bilateral lower extremity edema. A urine dipstick shows 2-plus proteinuria, and her blood pressure is 150 over 96 millimeters of mercury. Her other laboratory values are within normal limits. She is discharged home. The next day, she returns with a worsening headache and found with elevated blood pressure again at 163 over 100 millimeters of mercury. She is admitted and started on magnesium sulfate for seizure prophylaxis. Now, let's get into the episode. As a quick overview, hypertension during pregnancy can be chronic hypertension, gestational hypertension, preeclampsia, or eclampsia. Some consider HELP syndrome to be a form of preeclampsia slash eclampsia, although this is controversial. The diagnosis of preeclampsia includes hypertension, which is defined as greater than 140 over 90 millimeters of mercury on two separate occasions, or 160 over 110 millimeters of mercury, and proteinuria. Preeclampsia can also be diagnosed without proteinuria if one of the following signs of severe preeclampsia exists, that is, blood pressure greater than 160 over 110 millimeters of mercury, hepatic dysfunction, renal insufficiency, visual-slash-cerebral disturbances, pulmonary edema, and thrombocytopenia. Now, let's talk about the spectrum of hypertensive disorders in pregnancy. We'll go over chronic hypertension, gestational hypertension, preeclampsia, eclampsia, and HELP syndrome. So chronic hypertension is defined as a history of hypertension, which is defined as greater than 140 over 90 millimeters of mercury before pregnancy or before 20 weeks of gestation. Chronic hypertension is also defined as hypertension that persists after delivery. Gestational hypertension is hypertension after 20 weeks of gestation. It's also defined as hypertension that returns to baseline by six weeks postpartum and note that it's common in multiple gestations. Preeclampsia is defined as hypertension, which is defined as greater than 140 over 90 millimeters of mercury on two separate occasions, or greater than 160 over 110 millimeters of mercury, plus proteinuria. Eclampsia is defined as preeclampsia plus seizures. HELP syndrome, that is H-E-L-L-P, stands for hemolysis, elevated liver enzymes, and low platelets. With respect to epidemiology, as far as the incidence of preeclampsia and eclampsia, it is 2 to 6% of pregnant patients. Risk factors include nulliparity, multiple gestations, hydatidiform mole, diabetes, chronic hypertension, and chronic renal disease. With respect to pathogenesis, the mechanism of preeclampsia and eclampsia involves impaired vasodilation of the spiral arteries that causes placental ischemia. This results in increased vascular tone, increased vasoconstriction, and decreased vasodilation. Other factors considered to contribute include maternal immunologic intolerance, inflammatory changes, and abnormal placental implantation. In terms of prognosis, maternal mortality is 14%, however most cases resolve after delivery. Moving on to the presentation, common symptoms that are also danger signs include headache, epigastric pain, visual changes, pulmonary edema, and or oliguria. Another common symptom is water retention. On physical exam, inspection may reveal hypertension of greater than 140 over 90 millimeters of mercury, tonic-clonic seizures, hyperreflexia, periorbital and extremity edema, as well as altered mental status. Moving on to studies to obtain in the setting of preeclampsia and eclampsia, serum labs may show proteinuria, that is 1 to 2 plus on dipstick and greater than 300 milligrams on 24-hour urine, 
and the protein-slash-creatinine ratio will be greater than 0.3. Note that the best confirmatory test is the spot urine protein to creatinine ratio. Serum labs may also show thrombocytopenia and hemoconcentration. The differential diagnosis of preeclampsia and eclampsia includes acute fatty liver of pregnancy and HELP syndrome. The key distinguishing factor of acute fatty liver of pregnancy is that it's primarily characterized by fulminant liver failure. The key distinguishing factor of HELP syndrome is that it's characterized by hemolysis, elevated liver enzymes, and low platelets. Now let's talk about the treatment of preeclampsia and eclampsia, and this can be medical or surgical. Medical management includes antihypertensive medications as well as intravenous magnesium sulfate or diazepam. Indications for antihypertensive medications include blood pressure greater than 160 over 100 millimeters of mercury, as this setting will have a risk of decreased uteroplacental blood flow. Examples of antihypertensive medications used in this setting include labetalol, methyl dopa, and hydralazine. Moving on to intravenous magnesium sulfate or diazepam, indications include seizure prophylaxis and treatment. Know that magnesium toxicity can occur, and remember that hyporeflexia presents before bradypnea, and treatment includes calcium gluconate. Surgical management includes delivery, which is the only definitive treatment. If the patient has mild preeclampsia, you can monitor for progression to severe preeclampsia. If the patient has severe preeclampsia or eclampsia, you must deliver immediately. Preeclampsia can still occur postpartum and still should be managed with IV magnesium. Finally, in terms of complications of preeclampsia and eclampsia, the ones to know include maternal cerebral hemorrhage, disseminated intravascular coagulopathy, acute respiratory distress syndrome, abruptio placentae, and recurrence of preeclampsia. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 24-year-old woman that is 36 weeks pregnant presents to the emergency department with a headache and abdominal pain. The woman has no known past medical history and is inconsistently followed up with an obstetrician for prenatal care. Her temperature is 98.5 degrees Fahrenheit or 36.9 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 163 over 101 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 90 per minute. Respirations are 16 per minute. And oxygen saturation is 97% on room air. Prior to performing the physical exam, the patient experiences a seizure, which resolves after 60 seconds. Which of the following is the best management for this patient? And the choices are 1. Diazepam, magnesium, and continuous monitoring. 2. Magnesium and continuous monitoring. 3. Magnesium and cesarean section. 4. Magnesium and labetalol. And 5. Nifedipine and cesarean section. The correct answer to this question is 3, magnesium and cesarean section. So the patient is presenting with a pregnancy greater than 20 weeks gestation with hypertension, a headache, abdominal pain, and a seizure suggesting a diagnosis of eclampsia. Eclamptic patients should promptly be given magnesium and have the fetus delivered. To quickly review, preeclampsia typically presents in a patient greater than 20 weeks pregnant with hypertension and proteinuria, as well as signs symptoms of end organ damage, including headache, blurry vision, and abdominal pain. If the patient experiences seizures, by definition, she has eclampsia. The management of eclampsia is prompt administration of magnesium to manage the seizure and delivery of the fetus. Blood pressure can further be treated with labetalol. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, diazepam, magnesium, and continuous monitoring is incorrect because this patient with eclampsia must have the child delivered and diazepam is not necessary currently given her resolved seizure, though it is often appropriate in the management of eclampsia. 
Answer two, magnesium and continuous monitoring is insufficient management of this eclemptic patient as the fetus must be delivered for definitive management. Answer four, magnesium and labetalol are appropriate for neuroprotection and blood pressure management. However, the fetus must be delivered promptly in eclampsia. Finally, answer five, nifedipine and cesarean section misses out on the important neuroprotective effect of magnesium in treating severe preeclampsia and eclampsia. To leave you with a bullet summary, eclampsia should immediately be managed with magnesium and delivery of the fetus. And moving on to the final question, a 27-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician for a concern about her pregnancy. This is her first pregnancy, and she's currently at 33 weeks gestation. She states that she has experienced diffuse swelling of her ankles and legs and is concerned that it is abnormal. Otherwise, she has no concerns. The patient has a past medical history of obesity and diabetes. Her temperature is 98.5 degrees Fahrenheit or 36.9 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 147 over 92 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 80 per minute. Respirations are 15 per minute, and oxygen saturation is 97% on room air. Physical exam reveals bilateral edema of the lower extremities. Which of the following is the best next step in management? And the choices are 1. A 24-hour urine protein. 2. Echocardiography. 3. Reassurance and follow-up in one week. 4. Spot protein to creatinine ratio. And 5. Urinalysis and urine protein. The correct answer to this question is for spot protein to creatinine ratio. So this patient is presenting with symptoms concerning for preeclampsia, which should be diagnosed with a spot protein to creatinine ratio. Preeclampsia presents with a systolic blood pressure greater than 140 millimeters of mercury or a diastolic blood pressure greater than 90 millimeters of mercury. In addition, patients may have symptoms that signify end organ damage, which can include edema, headache, visual disturbance, or abdominal pain. A fast, convenient test is a spot protein to creatinine ratio. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, a 24-hour urine protein is the most accurate test, in fact, it is the gold standard, for diagnosing proteinuria and confirming the diagnosis of preeclampsia. However, it is an invasive, costly, and time-consuming test that would only be indicated if their urine protein to creatinine ratio was ambiguous. Answer two, echocardiography would be indicated if congestive heart failure were suspected. Hypertension and edema in a pregnant patient is more concerning for preeclampsia. Answer three, reassurance and follow-up in one week is incorrect as this option misses this potentially fatal pathology. Finally, answer five, urinalysis and urine protein is a non-invasive test that is not as accurate as a urine protein to creatinine ratio in the diagnosis of preeclampsia, making it an inferior test. Urine protein could be an appropriate screening test. To leave you with a bullet summary, the best initial test for preeclampsia is a spot urine protein to creatinine ratio. That's all for this review about preeclampsia and eclampsia. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.